I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. The noon hour is here. Check it out. And you're locked on to Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio station. It's my station. It's my station. This is, this, is, this, is, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome on in 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Yeah, right over there? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just getting situated. Yep. Because is it Ben that sits on this side or Jake? Uh, ben sits on that side. Yeah, he adjusts right? everything. He adjusts everything that it, it's it's not exactly my height and size and feel. So we sit down in the studio, and the person before us has the mic adjusted, and he must be left-handed because the mouse is always on the left side. Oh, interesting. And Is Ben a southpaw? I did not know that. No, I, I, I guess. I, I do wonder because the mouse is always on the left side, and ask Sarah if Ben's a lefty. I wonder if Sarah might not know that. I don't really pay attention to that stuff either. So, Sarah, is Ben a lefty? I bet she says she thinks she thinks he is. Okay. She's a lefty, too. Uh, Sarah's a southpaw. Apparently, we got a lot of southpaw wow. around here. So right. it's a, it's always on the other side, and so it just takes me a minute to get comfortable. How are you doing, Scotty? I'm great. Are you able to get out of the snow? Oh, I'm done. Yeah. How much did you get? How much we, did you? Because I got about five, six inches. Well, so we got last night. Last night. <laughs> so we got about we got about four inches on Saturday, and then they're like, okay, well that sucked. And driving home from the game, I had the family with me. We were. From the Utah State game. And before the game started, we walked in, and it was starting to come down a little bit in Logan. And then we left the arena, and it was, at that point, it snowed about six or seven inches in that three or four hours. And I guess Cache Valley got like a foot of snow. And driving home from that was a nightmare. Um, and I'm like, I'm done. So we got home and we got in Bountiful. We didn't get as much as Cache Valley, but we got about four or five inches. Cache is just getting hammered. And then last night, we got another six inches. It's like... Can we can we knock this off? It's March. <laughs> it's almost the middle of March. What are we doing? 
I, I can't even believe what's happening with precipitation here in the state of Utah. Look, shut it down. Look, I get it. I understand. We had the drought, but the drought's over now. And I, by the way, every, we're supposed to be getting, like, every night's supposed to get a little Reservoirs are back to, to full capacity. Everything's fine now. It's It cracks me up because right? sometimes I, I picture God, you know, sitting up high in the heavens Hearing all the prayers and then finally being like, oh, my gosh, you cry, babies. Wine, 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 wine. <laughs> Fine. Cast it. Hit them. And it just sends this these cloud after cloud and storm after I'll storm. I'll show you. And then he's like, now let's hear you beg for it to stop. How does that sound? And you're just like, please, I'm begging you. Let this ease up. People in California. Oh, yeah. Are jacked up right now. California about to slip off the side of the mountain. Do you know Cal- Which we might have a little oceanside property before this is all said and done. Yes. <laughs> California has the most snow, <laughs> which would be nice when it just yeah. kind of crept up yeah. like right there on uh I guess what would that be on the western side? Would that be kind of the Nevada Yeah. ish if it just crept up that over would be Reno? Nevada ish. Just yes. Lloyd. Stop. Don't stop. Be- don't crept right over Reno. Yeah, buried the smallest, biggest town in the world, or whatever yeah. it's called. But um, Tahoe is under snow, and they've shut down Yosemite National Park and Donner's Pass, which me and my family just went and visited yeah. the memorial and museum up there. Donner's Pass about two years ago. Yeah, people are giving an arm and a leg to get through there. That is way, way too soon. So, anyways, Donner's Pass is good? Re- really on the struggle bus. On a Monday, you feel happy with yourself, what you just did? <laughs> this is why I love doing radio with you. Because <laughs> sometimes you'll just say, screw it. You know what? It's for the better good. Sorry. It's for the better good. What do you mean too soon? That was like 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know, man. But I don't know if it's ever okay. That was a hell of a tragedy. (laughs) Never okay. It was one hell of a tragedy. But you want to make a joke about the uh, the soccer team too? Yeah. Hey, they're good for a roast. No, like making fun. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my bad. Uh, There's a part of me that wants to blame K Bank for this, and I don't. It, it's not intentional. It's kind of an unintentional. Like this is yeah. your your fault because you were talking so often about how you needed this drought to end. You needed moisture. Kevin Eubank is the chief meteorologist for KSL. Good dude, best in the business. But man, did he beg and did he ask and 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 really need this moisture? I will never say another ill word towards K Bank though because he responded because he saved my rear end in a big way. Like he, I asked him and I said, Hey, look, I'm thinking of driving to Vegas. This is a week ago. Um, what's the forecast looking like? Should I fly? And he's like, Oh, Hey, let me punch that up for you. And you hear the little, you know, keyboard clacking in the background and he, he goes, Fly, do not drive this. Really? And sure enough, like the gorge got shut down. Like it was a nightmare for people trying to drive down there. It would have busted you up. And it would have busted me up big time. My fingers are crossed that we get some good weather. Mom was driving back from Vegas today. Oh yeah, that's right. You were at uh, you had a weekend. You and Rock just being bachelors, right? Uh, Rock and I had a bit of a falling out over the weekend, <laughs> so we spent time away from each other. Big birthday boy, right? Uh, yeah, he was. But he, I asked him to. So we went and we went and hit a new lake for some ice fishing this weekend. Yeah, it's called Red Creek. 
about 30, 40 minutes above Strawberry Reservoir. And I asked him to map it. I'm like, son, okay, let's map this because it's a backwoods reservoir. It's yeah. mountain trails and it's kind of up in the back. And I said, okay, son, map this and help me out. So it was me and Rock in our truck and we were being followed by our friends, Sean and, and his son. And so I, Rock's got it on the maps and he tells me turn. So I turn and it's just up past Fruitland, Utah. Okay. So we turn just past Fruitland, Utah and we start heading up on this road and things are going okay. And then there's this gate and the gate's open. So we go through the gate and things are still okay, but the snow's getting deeper. And all of a sudden the, the, there has been no traffic. There's still the road. But I didn't realize that the snow went from maybe six inches to over two and a half feet like this. So we hit the snow and my buddy is following behind us. And I'm like, geez. And then it starts getting real bad and it's going uphill into the mountains. So we're up in the mountains away from anybody. And my truck just sinks in the snow. You're like it's, giving me a little bit of anxiety. Oh, oh my gosh. It's up. It's it's all the way up to the base. So the base of my truck is sunk in the snow. The tires are up. The snow is up over the tires. And I look at Rock. I'm like, where, where did you take us? We are we are screwed. And my buddy behind us, he kind of gets stuck, but not not as bad. He could kind of back out. So at least we weren't 100% stranded. It took us 45 minutes to dig out, to push ourselves out of there. And I think I've jacked up my truck. And uh, and it was all because we took the wrong road. Uh, Just be you know, careful with your direction. Yeah, you know, that happens, though. Young man's learning. <laughs> yeah. It happens. I should. So it's on him for putting us on the wrong road. It's on me for being like, hey, it says to go this way. So let's just keep going because it's got it's got to eventually end up at the lake. And I got us in. I'm the one that kind of got us into the bind. He got us on the wrong road. Haven't we all been like, I mean, back in our day would have been manning a map and with our old man and yeah. took a wrong route because of, of so you, us. And it's happened. Yeah. So you're taking some responsibility for this. Just just the responsibility of seeing the snow, but thinking like, I got a truck. I got four-wheel drive. I got F-150. We'll be just fine. We're going to get through to this, boy. And just, and then hearing it just. We've talked about us coming with you by chance, and you're giving me so so much anxiety thinking about following you into the snow. Well, when we have Xavier and Jackie Blue Eyes on a fishing trip, we're going to take it real easy. We're just going <laughs> to, we're going to hit the ladders at Strawberry, go out to Tent City. That's all we're going to do. And we got to get Brody out too. Because I know Brody had loved some ice fishing. Yeah. It was the worst day of ice fishing in my entire life. Really though? Yeah, worst of my entire life. Because it was cold or because you didn't catch anything? Or? All around. Oh, okay. We finally made it to the lake around the right route. Yeah, yeah. And there was four feet of snow that we had to go through and I was falling through. So I had snow up to my hips and we had to go about 400 yards to get to- uh, Sounds like a delightful time. It was horrible. Yeah. yeah it was horrible. But- just be careful out there. Don't get yourself stuck in this snow. I wish the snow would would stop. I think we're good. I just I've I, heard that we've got enough to fill our reservoirs. Like you were just yeah saying. yeah. It's all filled. The the Great Salt Lake will be yeah, just K Bank would disagree with you filled guys. to the brim, ready to go. And I'm not worried about Lake Powell. I'm not a Lake Powler. Yeah, I don't go down there either. Get so tired of people. Lake Powell, it's the world's best. Bro. So your stop boat it. can't go to all the places it used to. Boo freaking who? You'll be fine. <laughs> 
So you went from 24,000 shore miles to just 18,000 shore miles. <laughs> but I can't get up to Lonesome Peak. Man. All right. My poor houseboat. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Life is rough for you. Yeah. All right. We got a busy show. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Um, it is. One of my favorite weeks of the year. It is conference tournament week for basketball. Look, I get it. There's a lot of NBA elitists out there. They'll be like, oh, college basketball is not fun. It's bad basketball. And you know what? In some cases, you're right. But doesn't mean you don't have drama. Doesn't mean you don't have great opportunities to see uh, some really crazy filled, crazy ending, all kinds of weird stuff going on. It begins this week. It's already been going on a little bit near the end of last week. But BYU has punched their ticket into the semifinals. Utah State begins their tournament on Thursday. I think uh, Utah begins on Wednesday. So we got a lot of basketball to break down. Tonight's a big night, though, for BYU. Yeah. Tonight's a really big night for BYU. Making it through the first two rounds, now into the semis against St. Mary's. Yeah. Yeah, and riding a three-game one streak. And look, they've had St. Mary's on the ropes a couple times this year. It would be nice to see them put them back on the ropes. I just want to see a good competitive game tonight. How funny would it be if this seven is, o'clock tip on ESPN? If this is the one where they actually win the tournament after the weird year that they've had, that would be absolutely one of the most beautiful things. Because you're going to have to beat two top twenty-five teams to get there. Yep. I think uh, St. Mary's is seventeen. Gonzaga's ten. Yeah, something like that. Around there. And that game tips at 7. It's a big night tonight because you got BYU spring ball. I'm going to be heading down there, be at practice at 5 o'clock tonight, and uh, then head right home and try to catch this game. Should be a pretty fun night. Spring ball's upon us. we got five feet of snow out there, but we're doing spring ball. It's crazy. I know, man. It doesn't feel like it, does it? Yeah. Something feels off. All right, let's get to it. Starting lineup right now, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is Hanson Scotty G. Let's go. The lineup is set, and it's time to kick off the show with the biggest topic of the day. This is the starting lineup on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans, we don't, uh, I think you and I probably prop up spring ball more than most. Yeah. Because we understand that it's really important. No, there's no games tomorrow, and we're a long ways away from starting the college football season, but the identity of who a team is really gets built mm-hmm. during spring ball. It does. It does. It And the uniqueness of this spring ball in comparison to any other spring ball that you and I have covered for BYU, it can't be overstated. It's possibly the most important spring ball in BYU history. Wow. Just put it in perspective of moving into the Big 12, you've lost your quarterback, you've lost your running back, you've lost your O-line, you fired or you did not retain your entire defensive staff. Jay Hill brings Kelly Popinga and Justin Inna and Sione Pua. They keep guys like Jan Jorgensen yeah. and others on that staff. So you're rebuilding a defense 
from a coaching staff perspective. You're rebuilding your offense from a player's perspective, and you're doing this all in preparation for your first shot at the Power Fives. I think this may be the most important spring in BYU history. I can't think of a spring that I've covered that has more need and necessity than this one. For the defensive staff to get to know their defensive personnel and to, to implement an entire new defense. Yeah. How difficult is that, by the way? Oh, this is going to be a very difficult process. Because, I mean... This you... is going to be strenuous, time-consuming. I've reached out to a couple of the coaches. They can't even get back to me because they're just... Every time they... they when I call, they instantly send a text in meetings. They have been in meetings nonstop. So, Ituyaki and Kalani Sataki under the Kyle Whittingham umbrella, Jay Hill under the Kyle Whittingham umbrella, is there, is it still a huge schematic change? Massive. Okay. Because, and and I I think that people are starting to understand more and more that it was more Ed Lamb and his defense than it was Elisa Tuyaki. Yep. I, I don't think Elisa ever was able to institute completely what he wanted to institute. And that, and that isn't a big shot at Ed Lamb, and that's not a big shot at Ituyaki. That's just how things happened on BYU's defensive side of the ball. So I think that that was Ed Lamb. I think we are going to see now Kyle Whittingham and that defense move into that side of the ball for BYU, which is good, but it is going to be a lot of work. You also, I think, see... Some attributes of Bronco Minahal's defense with Kelly Popinga working with the linebackers. But Justin Inna, who's, I mean, you could probably say he's another Kyle Whittingham guy. He was with linebackers and, and in that Kyle Whittingham scheme. Sione Pua, who is a Kyle Whittingham guy, no question about it. When he jumped back into coaching, that was his first, uh, his first take defensively from a coaching yeah. standpoint. And, not to mention Jay Hill, who is you're now your D coordinator. So I am excited for BYU fans to get to see what this defense is going to actually be. You, I'm sure people could count on one hand how many quarter blitzes you saw in the Elisa Tuiaki era. Try to think through BYU's Elisa Tuiaki era. <clears throat> How many corner blitzes or really how many even even safety blitzes did you ever see? You just didn't see them much. No. We got a real heavy dose. Saw the opposite. Yeah, Saw a lot got, of drop eight. Got a real heavy dose of trying to throw all type of clouds and ghosts and strange uh, rotational coverages that can play pranks on a quarterback and can lead to interceptions. I remember one year under Elisa Tuiaki, remember the linebackers led in interceptions and collectively their linebackers had the most interceptions of any other defense in the country. And Elisa Tuiaki was doing a really good job kind of coveraging and covering and smoke screening what the linebackers were going to do. This defense is going to be aggressive. They are finding headhunters. They're going to find rushers. I'm not saying that they've got them. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. saying they've got them. 
I think they got to build them and they got to find them. Because I personally, I don't think that there's one on the roster right now. I don't Is think, there one that can be developed on the roster? I, I don't see a guy on the roster right now that is a head-hunting rush edge that you've got to have in a Kyle Whittingham defense. You have to have it. I do think there are a couple of interior guys that are probably going to transform themselves a little bit. I think one of them is going to be nice Amahe. Yeah. I think he's going to transform himself, and I think he's going to find himself in a really good fit with what Sione Pua's doing internally in, interior, in the interior D. So there are a couple guys there, but there's and there might be a couple edge guys, but I'm talking taking 15 pounds off of them, taking their body fat down from 22 to 16, and getting their explosiveness up to a eight instead of a six and a half. <coughs> There's a lot of work that's going to go into finding that guy that can rush. I don't know. The, Right now, I don't know if there's that guy, but there's a couple of guys that are coming off missions. There's a couple of new guys, and there are a couple of guys that were in this system that I think need to recommit themselves and listen to Sione and listen to Kelly Popinga and listen to Jay Hill, and maybe they will come along. Yeah. But it's hard to have a, a high level of optimism that BYU all of a sudden is going to have three or four insane rush artists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. In all honesty, Scotty, no, can you fair. can no. you vision it? No, not right now. There's just nobody that jumps off the page to you as that's the next guy. Yeah, there are guys I'm really excited about. There's guys I'm excited about to to see if they can develop. But I do know this: Jay Hill's going to find him. Whatever he's got to do, he's got to find him because he can't run his defense without him. So he's no. got he has to find him. Wherever they might be. How much is that not having that element firing on all cylinders in year one? How rough is that going to make things? Very. In that defense, yeah. very. Because you can bring your blitzes and you can throw different disguises in the back end. And you can do those things. But if you don't have the consistent pressure man in that defense that that defense just doesn't play well it doesn't it's not as yeah. it's not nearly as effective it has to have that hybrid rush edge we've seen it for so many years going back to Paul Kruger and his crazy shifts yeah he'd shift out of it from a 3 out to a 4i and then out to a 4 and then a 5 and he would get all over the place and make life hell going to Trevor Riley who did it for a lot of years at, at a high level, th- that's the type of defensive lineman that you've got to find. Nate Orchard was less of that and more of the traditional edge, but that's because he could rush out of a three-point stance and he could go one-on-one with a guy 25 times in a game and he's probably going to beat you eight to ten of those times. The other ones, Trevor Riley, you do that, he's going to get locked up more often than not. So you use him as a hybrid edge to to hit at different angles and different twists and different stunts. Yeah, And that's what Jay Hill's gonna, got to find. I do think he's going to find it. It's just you're going to have to look far and wide. You might even have to use a couple of, you know, hold off 
scholarships to bring in a transfer at some point. Yeah. If you can't find it in the spring, and that goes back to your original point, this spring is critical because I think every coach now in the country holds on to whatever it is, five, six scholarships. After spring, yeah. you say, oh boy, we've got a gigantic need here. And then after spring, you and the boys, knowing how to headhunt that transfer portal, you go find the guys that can make up the difference in areas you're lacking. That portal opens up again in May, and you got to go find and restock your team. Yeah, You also need to hold on to your team as well, and that's another issue too because sometimes you got a freshman or a sophomore who you like but you know isn't going to get a ton of playing time, and they notice that as well, and then they start to mm-hmm. want to hop out, jump in. Yeah. Because they want playing time, and somehow you gotta yeah. Because they noticed those in guys spring, stick and, around, and it's so it's crazy because when you're in the mix of it, when you're participating in these springs, Scotty, yeah, you read into everything, and you get a real feel for how you stand with the coaches, how you stand with your teammates, and where you stand on the depth chart. You get a real feel for it. And let's say you're coming out of that sophomore season where you didn't get the reps you were hoping for, but you had some comments of, hey, don't worry, we're going to get you out there this year. Spring is where you start to look around like, he said I was going to be in this rotation. I'm still three deep. You brought in this transfer guy. He's getting reps in front of me. And I'm noticing that the coach is looking at him during installation and during meetings. He still hasn't paid attention to me. Where's my time? You said I was going to get an opportunity, but you got this transfer and you got these two other sophomores you're excited about, and that's where the that's where the impatience starts to kick in. Yeah, and that happens a lot in spring. Didn't used to happen where they transfer, but the impatience was definitely there, mm-hmm. and and knowing. Here we go again, man. I'm going to be third depth. I'm going to be third. Yeah. I'm going to go into fall camp, and I'm going to be three deep. And that's that's not cool because I this is now my third year in the system. I had a redshirt year, or I redshirted, then I went on a mission. I'm it might, You might be five years in, and you're looking around like, still on the three deep, huh? Huh. Okay. And that's going to be tough. Yeah. Hans and Scotty, 1227. Hope you're all having a tremendous Monday. Coming up next, uh, we'll shift gears a little bit. The Jazz finally have listened to Hans Olsen. Yes. Finally. They are doing have what, they? what needed to have been done back in November. That's all right. They're on the right track. Lloyd says it might be too late. We'll ask and get, well, Lloyd will expound on that coming up next. <laughs> Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is this is DJ and PK. Tim Lacone joins us now. They're going to win a few and lose a few, and to me it depends on the length and severity of Clarkson's injury, his ability to go get a bucket at will when he needs to and create havoc on the defense. That's Havoc. You no, know, the Jazz are missing that right now. Or havoc. havoc. You, know, hey, you know, he created Havoc, you know, with Kukoc. We're talking to Rick Majerus, of course. And I did speak to a high school team. The head coach asked if anybody in the room knew who Rick Majerus was, and there were no hands. Really? <laughs> So that's how far removed we've gone from that, guys. I totally believe so, I mean, that. I, I had to I, bury most of my good stuff because nobody knew who he was. <laughs> it was bad. really humbling, and I almost slinked out of the room because, again, it takes a good amount of my stuff. 
Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chick. Chick, Chick. That's right! Yeah! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. So, I told you about all the snow I got. You you had to have gotten some out there, right? Two inches between yeah. Saturday and Sunday. How is that possible? I have no idea. I, I even talked to Hatch, uh, bumped into Hatch on his way out, my way in, and I said, because he's kind of lower part Saratoga, backside of Lehigh, but we're only three miles apart, our homes. And he said, no, we got four or five inches. I got two inches over the Saturday and Sunday storms that came in. And it, the wind just kind of blew it off. I didn't even have to scrape. So I don't know what. It's just weird. I think it might just be in a weird bowl or something. You didn't bring out the uh, four-wheeler. No, not, need, not, huh? not this weekend. You might be selling that thing. Yeah, you might be selling it to Hatch. No, I, I'm not because I still used it about 15 times this year. So, For snow? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I would get a two, three-inch accumulation and I'd scrape it off so it has been a long winter out there but pales in comparison to what you and lloyd have dealt with i hear you and lloyd talking about the five six inches that fell what lloyd you had 10 on one storm no it was 13 it was closer to 13 yeah 13 inches fall on one storm storm. yeah yeah i've never had anything like that the most i've ever had at one time is maybe four or you could maybe stretch it to five inches that's it outside of that it's been just mediocre. Well, the thing is, but it's for, like you said, it's those little, it's the two inches that yeah. come in, and then you got to scrape it off, and it's a whole bunch of work. But we just don't get the snow, you guys. Like I kind of liked how you'd have like three or four major storms, and you wake up in the morning, and there were twelve inches out there. You'd be like, "All right, get, get out the snowblower, knock it out," and then three weeks later, you'd have another one. But this whole like every single day just keeps coming and coming. It's like, oh my gosh, make it stop. Yeah. Make it stop. I'm done. Yeah, I know. We're complaining, but uh, I don't know. Happy to have it. All these weather people are like, well, you know, 
you know, it's actually too much snow and it's making the drought worse because it's hey, you forcing, be careful. forcing the water into the ground because it's so heavy and it's not making it to our reservoirs. You're going to be messaging K-Bank later this week just talked about traveling because you got to go somewhere. You might want to be. I did, I did look at the Jerry, Did you message him already? I didn't message him, but. Okay. I think I'm going to be all right. I think Southern Utah is going to be okay. You think somehow they're going to spin this into being a worse drought? Yeah, they'll somehow be like the snowpack has pushed it into the ground, and so yeah, it's just not making it to our reservoirs because there's too much of it. So our underground aquifers have been <laughs> starving for this type of moisture. And they're just drinking it all up. <laughs> hey, so, I, like I said, I was up at Strawberry this weekend. Yeah, it's the most snow I've. In my life that I've ever seen up there. Yeah. And I've been going out to Strawberry since 1996. I am giddy about the lakes and the rivers. Like, it is going to be some good fishing this year. You would think that it's going to be just incredible water and, and incredible flows. Well, if we get six more years of this, maybe. <laughs> I know. I was like, I, I mentioned to somebody, well, I'm excited that Lake Powell's finally going to get a little water in it. And they said, well, you do understand that Lake Powell took 17 years to fill when they first started it up. So it's going to take 17 plus years. Of, and it's like, why do you got to suck always the Debbie fun Downer. out of everything, yeah. man? Yeah. It's a great snowpack. We're gonna, the, the South has been jam-packed with snow. Yeah. That has to affect Lake Powell. Sure would think so. If it doesn't, we're screwed. Yeah. Uh, we have saved the Great Salt Lake, though. You're right. This is yeah. going to fill it up. It's going to fill it plumb up. All that nasty dust that we thought was going to wreck all of our lives, it's now all underwater again. It's going to be all. <laughs> everything's be just fine again. Maybe we'll hit the water tables that we had in Lake Bonneville. Oh, 10, there you 000, go. 10,000 years ago. That would give me some oceanfront property right that there. That would. That would put you right on the edge. You could fish from your house. Yeah. Does it feel good to know that all of us would be underwater, though, in, in or does it worry you a little bit because Lloyd and I would be long term stay at your house? I see if hands. We did get out of hands the coming up in his pontoon boat. <laughs> hey guys, what's for dinner? <laughs> Pulling up next to it, saying, "Hey, is uh, Bountiful Ridge open still? Let's go golf it. Let's go see what's up." All right, the Jazz back to back losses in Oklahoma City, and frankly. Not great either. One one thirty to one hundred five, and then one twenty nine to one nineteen. Uh, Larry Markinen did not play the second game, and uh, this is the Jazz team that uh, you know what. When you're seeing heavy minutes from Johnny Juzang, yeah, uh, Damian Jones gets fourteen minutes. Simone Simone mm-hmm. is getting uh, sixteen minutes. Chris Dunn nearly thirty. Yes, they em- know what they're doing now. Embrace it. it- it's blatantly obvious at this point, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In fact, you probably go back to maybe you go back to the Spurs, the second game with the Spurs, where you saw a real shift in minutes and a real shift in talent on the court, and it feels like you go back to San Antonio that first loss. Yeah. So your three losses, <clears throat> your consecutive three losses right now. And I think you go back to that first one and you're like, huh, <clears throat> something changed there, Scotty. Well, I do think, and you and I talked a little bit about it, I kind of felt like when you watched that third quarter in that Spurs game mm-hmm. and you saw the rotations, you can look at it and say, okay. Yeah, you brought that up on this is, it was this is a, This is a little different. Mm-hmm. This is being addressed a little differently. And the Jazz have developed Walker Kessler and 
and you got Larry marketing into an all-star game as a starter, and now it's all about that business, boss. You're seeing Rudy Gay make terrible play after terrible play and continue to clank it off the rim every time he hoists a three, and the Jazz are still putting Rudy Gay out there for 15 minutes. So that's a real indicator. Rudy Gay's not the future. In fact, I'd be shocked if Rudy Gay sees another year on this roster. But here's the thing, Hans. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, I was going to say that last year, too, but he's still hang, still hanging in there. So the Jazz, there are still plenty of teams that have worse record than the Jazz. Um, Jazz are 12th right now. But you look at the Lakers, who are right behind the Jazz, well, have the same record at 31-34. and 34. Oklahoma City, you just helped out your cause there because they've just picked up a couple wins. They're only one game back. Uh, Portland's just one game back. Uh, Chicago's two games back. Indiana's one, uh, two games back. And Washington's one game back. So Very, you go on a four or five game losing skid, and you can be right there in that six or seven spot pretty quick. It's very gettable. Yeah. And I'm not so sold that Orlando's on the tank job right now. And, I, and you've got Orlando coming up here pretty quickly. And I, I, there's a couple teams I don't think are on the tank job. You know Los Angeles is going to get you those last two games of the season. The Lakers are going to get you. So I am seeing losses that should stack up, not just in this six-game road trip, but through the remainder of the season. And I would say you can get to the six. I, I think it's going to be difficult because I think teams are going to get desperate and go on even more of a push. But, Scotty, let's say you finish with the fifth worst record. Because if Orlando is trying to make the postseason, which I think that they are, if Orlando's trying to make the postseason and Chicago and Indy have a hard time really tanking the season, you could get to the six. And if you get to the six, you still have decent – you have odds to get the number one overall pick. And odds to get the number two overall pick. But you'll certainly have the chance to get what you're looking for. Now, Minnesota continues to climb. Minnesota's on a three-game win streak right now. And they're 34 and 32. I bring up Minnesota because you do have their first-round pick as well. They've taken that thing clear out of the lottery. And I don't think you'll have a lottery pick with Minnesota's pick. When for a minute you thought maybe. Yeah. Their season was not looking good. Yeah. But Minnesota's figured things out. You kind of figured they'd have enough talent to right the ship. And Mike Conley's helped out there. But I do think the Utah Jazz, it's going to be, I think we set the line right at 7.5. I think you did, yeah. Scotty, Lloyd, and myself set up a line of the worst record in the NBA at 7.5. I took the over. I think they're actually going to finish with the eighth worst. That, but that, But things are turning now. And they're turning intentionally. Yeah. When you put Rudy Gay, you consistently putting Rudy Gay out there for 15 minutes. You're putting Simone Fontegio out there for whatever minutes he's at. You're pushing Johnny Juzang out. Chris Dunn is spending plenty of time on the court. And in the meantime, you're like, oh, I, I think it would be best if you know, whatever the mix is, Jordan Clarkson or Walker Kessler or you know any, any of the, the bigger names. I, we're going to keep your minutes down. Or yeah. we're not even going to put you out on the court. Yeah. And here's the thing. Look, Johnny Juzang had a tremendous college career. 
Johnny Juzang is a really interesting prospect. How do you determine whether or not he has a place in the NBA? You give him a bunch of time in games that, frankly, don't matter. And he did a nice job with his yes, time. Yes, absolutely. He did a nice job with his time. And so, again, I don't think it, this is like, hey, we're going to go out there and lose. It's a, hey, let's evaluate what we have. Let's throw a whole bunch of minutes at Abaji. See how he handles himself. Yeah. And they did. Put him on the court for 31 minutes. He went one of six from three and had 14 points. So now the Utah Jazz have the Dallas Mavericks. That's coming up tomorrow. That's a Tuesday night, 6.30 tip. So you have an opportunity to see the Dallas Mavericks as they currently are constituted. And I think that they're still trying to find their way. In fact, I think they're still very much trying to find their way. They're 2-6 and six in their last eight games. They just lost to the Phoenix Suns. They lost to the Pacers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the Kings. Now, there's some really tough teams in there. Yeah. But Dallas has yet to show that they've got rhythm, consistency, any type of cohesive makeup since the Kyrie Irving trade. Yeah. They haven't made up the ground that they'd hoped they would. In the meantime, the Phoenix Suns are just the opposite. The Suns are just swimming right now. They're three straight wins. Kevin Durant jumping on the court. Shocker. And they're just looking really good. They beat the Hornets on the road. They beat the Bulls on the road. And they beat Dallas on the road. Three straight wins all on the road. Kevin Durant doing his thing. And the Phoenix Suns just look, they just look really tough. Durant had 37 the other night against Dallas. I don't know if you got to see some of the highlights on that. Oh, yeah. He, it, it feels like a duck just walked off a land, got in water, and just, and he's just perfect fit. Yeah. So we'll see if Phoenix can keep it up. Um, spoiler, they will. Yeah, they, they, they will. Yeah. Because in that same game, Devin Booker still got off 35 shots. Yeah. That game that Kevin Durant scored 37, Booker still got off 30, or 25 shots and scored 36 points. So you had 64 points, sorry, 74 points 74, between the yeah. two of them. Jeez. I'm telling you, it is, they, Phoenix is a, they're a menace right now. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Take a break, which you may have missed, coming up next right here on The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. It is Coach Tim Lacombe. Do you have mixed feelings or any specific feelings about BYU wrapping up its WCC run here? I think at the end of the day, it was it served its purpose. It was a way more difficult league than anybody, even to this point, gives it credit for. I mean, conference basketball, regardless if you're in high school or college, there's, there's rivalries, there's inherent things going on, and it's a battle. Road games are a battle in league, and the bottom line is Throughout the course of it, there's been really good players at all the schools, and coaches have been great. It was it was a good place to land, great people, great coaches. Wish them the best going forward. And BYU goes from you know the appetizer to they got to eat this big steak, and it, you know it's not something's optional. You got to eat it. You got to eat 88 ounces of it, and it's going to be a battle. So they're into a whole different phase now. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 the KSL. Sports. 
Looking for the latest on the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies? Yeah, we've got you covered. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports Zone. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Make sure to listen to Unrivaled. Coming up later today, Jeff Donovan will be with the uh, guys with Get Your ERC Refunds live during the show today on Unrivaled from 3 to 6. A couple of things on what you may have missed. Scotty mentioned it coming out of the gates, talking a little bit more about it. BYU in a big game tonight against what I guess would be... Would you consider St. Mary's BYU's biggest West Coast Conference rival? Um, I think so because Gonzaga has kind of distanced themselves from everybody else. And so I would say yes, St. Mary's, even though St. Mary's won the regular season title this year they in the did. West Coast Conference. They're ranked 17th behind Gonzaga at 10th, but they got the one seed in the yeah. tournament. Gonzaga got the two. And BYU's wins against Portland and LMU has now put them in the semifinals against their longest rivalry, I guess, in West Coast Conference? Sure seems like it. So a couple of things that you need to pay attention to out there. Number one, it's tonight, 7 o'clock tip on ESPN. Typical conference tournament tip, 7 o'clock means it'll probably tip at about 9.45. That's about that, yeah. Sometime at 9.45. And then you'll watch it on ESPN News and until about ten fifteen in low def, and then you'll switch it over. It, it drives me nuts. Man. Oh man, and and you're right. Conference tournaments are the worst yeah. because if one game goes long and it just affects everybody, yeah, it compiles throughout the rest of the day. So the Cougars are sitting nineteen and fourteen, and I'm excited to see what happens here because they they did make a couple of changes. Coach Pope talked about taking Rudy Williams and throwing him back in the starting lineup. And ever since they've done that, Scotty, they've put together a three-game win streak. Yep. Got that big bruise and win over San Francisco, and then they've put together the wins over Portland and Loyal Marymount as they've moved into this conference tournament. And that's not it's not an attack on Dallin Hall. I think Dallin's going to be fine, but I think that Rudy Williams showed up on the court and decided he wanted to show everybody what he's got. Scored the, 21 against uh, San Francisco. If you can take any minute amount of momentum into next year, you you got to take advantage of it if you're BYU. Mm-hmm. And I do think, look, one of those back-to-back games, and uh, was it Portland? They were down early, big, mm-hmm. and I think down double digits and rallied and came back and won that game going away. And LMU is a good team. Not a great team, but a good team. A good team. And that's a nice win for BYU. Now, if you get a win against St. Mary's, lose to Gonzaga in the championship, that's still a 20-win season. You don't you don't turn your nose down to 20 wins in a season. You just don't. Yeah. And uh, so, look, I do think there's going to be some tough decisions to be made. I'm not talking coaching, by the way. I'm talking about roster and mm-hmm. evaluating your roster and seeing where you're at. I think Mark Pope absolutely is the man for the job down there. Yes. I'm not, I will never in any way, shape, or form you know, say he's got to go because I think he's a great coach. Um, but there's going to be some hard conversations with – evaluating players players might be encouraged to go somewhere else and then you've got to hit the portal hard to really try to build this thing up so you can be at least somewhat competitive 
in the best basketball conference in the country. You take Mark Pope into Big 12 play. Yes, absolutely. I think that there's some confusion out there. Some people are saying, well, he hasn't done good enough or hasn't showed enough for this, that, and the other. You take Mark Pope into Big 12 play. And there's two lines of thought on this for me, Scotty. Number one, he's either your sacrificial lamb as you're going into Big 12 play. He gets beat up for two or three years. But you figure out what it's going to take to compete at the Big 12 as a university, and then you say, all right, it's time to make a change. Because hiring a new coach, even if a new coach has played in the Big 12, bringing him into BYU in that current situation and having him usher the team in, you're probably going to end up firing him in three years. Yeah. Because you're going to go through some really tough times. It's going to be an ugly conference, and BYU fans are going to have to learn how to accept losing. And not having a 20-win season. Because that's going to happen. You're not going to have a lot of 20-win seasons. You're going to have a lot of exciting games, and you're going to have a lot of great teams in the Marriott Center. But you're not going to have a lot of winning. You're going to have a lot of losing. So you're going to have to figure out how to navigate that with your expectations and your emotions. But you let Mark Pope bring that team into the Big 12. And you give him two years. Yeah, and and nowadays, least. I think two years is fair because the transfer portal yes. is such an effective tool when you know how to use it and you use it the right way. One year to kind of figure out it's a new world with travel and how you handle yourself. Uh, absolutely. I don't even care if they go, you know, seven and 24 next year. Mark Pope gets I give him at least two years in that conference. And the other thing I say to Mark Pope, I go to Coach Pope as a university and i say what do you need to succeed yeah what do you need and if mark pope looks at you and says i need burgess i got you got to get me burgess back or you whatever he says as a university you say we'll do everything we can to do what you're asking and you give him every resource to succeed and every opportunity to succeed in as he moves into the big 12 and then if he fails with that, then you can feel really good about moving forward. Yeah. If he doesn't, then you have to you got to start checking yourself as a university. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we doing enough? If it happens to Kalani Sataki and this BYU football staff, it's the same thing. You have to ask, am I doing enough? What, what did they do when we moved over here to Bonneville? What do you need? Just what do you need? What do you guys need? To be successful. How can we help you? Because when you fail, if you do fail, when you fail, we don't want to second guess how we managed a sports station. And this is how we've managed all these other sports stations across the West, which they own and operate. How many, Scotty? A lot. A lot of them in the biggest markets. Uh, Seattle, Denver. Yeah, five or six, yeah. And if it were to fail, they would look around like, yeah, just so you know, that's not on us. Yeah. We did everything we could for you. Hence, we bought you iPhones and iPads and you didn't use them. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know how to use them. So you should have 10,000 Instagram followers. Hey, and guess what? If Bonneville called me tomorrow and said, Hans, we've got to let you go. As I'm walking out the door, I'd be thinking, can I keep this iPhone? That'd be the first thought. The, the second thought would be, geez, they gave me everything I needed. I just am not good enough. I would have nobody to blame. Yeah, that's right. So BYU's got to do that for their their sporting organizations, their different departments, as they've moved into the Big 12. 
give them every resource so that if they have to walk out the door, they feel like that university gave me everything. I have no excuses. Yeah. I can't tell my next employer, well, I didn't succeed because they didn't go out and try to get me Burgess back or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. Also, uh, by the way, really fun game up in Logan on Saturday. Uh, Utah State, Boise State, Aggies needed to beat the Broncos to get the elusive quad one victory that everybody's all enamored with these days. Uh, Utah State led by as many as 20 in the first half. Second half, uh, Boise was able to whittle it down to six before Utah State was able to get the 13-point victory. It's incredible. Great atmosphere, too, by the way. Boise State was just chomping, trying to get back into that game. Yeah, Aggies have none of it. Good for them. Um, and so Utah State rides a five-game winning streak into the Mountain West Conference. They will play Wednesday night, or excuse me, Thursday night, against the winner of the Wyoming-New Mexico game. Wednesday's the first round, right? Wednesday's the first round, so Utah State finishes at the three seed, which really um, was interesting because UNLV needed to beat uh, Nevada for Utah State to get the three seed. And Nevada had been undefeated at home. Utah State had just beaten UNLV by 25 at their place. And UNLV goes to Nevada and pulls off the upset victory in overtime, which pushes Nevada down to the four. Utah State slides up to the three. And so now, now the Aggies don't, if they make it to the semis, they don't have to play San Diego State. They'll probably have a rematch with Boise State. Now, if they play New Mexico, that's going to be a battle at Thursday night, but a late start, 9.30 start time locally. Is that Thomas and Mac? Thomas and Mac, yeah. When are you leaving, bud? Uh, Wednesday after the show. Okay. When K-Bank tells him to. <laughs> yeah. He is the signaler, isn't he? He is it. He is hey, the guy. Hey, he did not lead me astray on that one. Hey, if K-Bank tells you to leave today, though, let's just, let's just see what plays out. Give it a sec. Stick around for, with me for a minute. Let it breathe a little bit. Let's what if I left happens. tomorrow after the show? It'd still be a bummer. I'd miss you. I'd still be on the air, still doing the show. By the way, like no shows will be affected this week too, because all in studio. I was, that was the other thing I was excited because had Utah State been the four seed, that would have been right in the middle of our show on Thursday. But instead, oh, nice they slide up to the three, and it's the late night game. College basketball is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. To see who beats who and how they win, who would have ever thought Utah State was going to build a double-digit lead, let alone into the 20s yeah. on Boise State? It's weird how teams just catch fire. Okay, really quick, and, and I know we got to go. No, you're all good. This is the argument that I've got for conference tournaments. and I, Because I know people say, well, I want the regular season conference winner to have the automatic bid to the, bid to the NCAA tournament. My take is... You get teams that get hot and figure out tournament play. And as they get hot, like let's say Utah State rides the five-game win streak into the tournament, ends up winning the tournament. That is the rightful owner and the best team to represent that conference in the NCAA tournament because they found their timing. They found their rhythm. They've got hot. They figured out tournament play. As they went through Mount West Conference tournament play, they figured it out, and they deserve that bid. Otherwise, I don't think they get the bid to go to the NCAA tournament. So I I'm I kind of like it. There's part of me that doesn't because I do think that it takes away some of the interest of the, the I feel bad. conference season. Yeah, I feel bad for those like Big Sky and and Big West, like those one big league conferences where you play 31 32 games and none of it matters 
if you can't win three games in three days. Yeah. But I do think the NCAA tournament looks at it and says, but we want the team that knows how to get going in tournament play. Yeah. And it might not be the best team, but they know how to manage tournament play. Yep. So we'll let them ride through that tournament, that conference tournament championship, ride into the NCAA tournament, see if they catch a little momentum, and see if we can't build a Cinderella. I don't know. It seems like a pretty good fit to me. I, you've noticed I've never argued for a conference champion to be the NCAA tournament bid winner. No. I've no. always wanted the tournament because I always feel like if if Utah State gets hot and goes and wins it, man, give them that bid and let's go. Bracketologist, you know, I'd say there's probably, um, you know, of all the brackets I saw this morning, I was going through um, about 50% had Utah State in, 50% did not after that win against Boise. Uh, if Utah State wins a game or two, if they make it to the championship game, I think they're definitely in. Uh, if they win their first game, I would put their odds at about 70% of getting in the tournament. So one tournament win bumps them up I'd to say, 70? I'd say 65 to 70%. Two tournament level. wins? Two tournaments in, I, in my opinion, 100%. Because that would be another quad one victory that everybody, again, is so enamored with. Here's the funny thing with these quad one victories, and I tweeted this out, Hans. This is how dumb this is. So earlier in the year, Utah State lost to Nevada. That was a quad one game. They play Nevada in Logan. Utah State wins, and it's a quad one victory. So everybody's like, all right, you finally got a quad one. Nevada loses the next week. Boom, they drop down. Out of the quads. They're out. It's now a quad two victory. They got weak quads. I know. Not spend a lot of time on leg day. Yeah. Utah State was playing Boise State. Now, Boise State, it's a road game, so Boise State has to be in the top 30 in the net to be considered a quad one. They're at about, because they're at they're, the spectrum. They're at yes. the spectrum. And so so when Utah State's beating them by 20, you got to be careful because margin of victory or margin of defeat affects your net. And you so, bump them out. So Utah State needs to win the game for a quad one, but they can't beat them by too much. Because if you embarrass them and beat them by 40, then it's going to drop their net and they'll fall out of the quad one rank. So you need to win, but you can't win by too much. College basketball is a little wacky. There's no way to do it the right way. I I see what they're doing and I can kind of understand it, but I also understand. Not that you'd ever pull back and be like, guys, guys, let them get within 10 so we can. But at the same time, I see the thought process. Because you want to make a statement. Oh, Boise State's a great team, blah, blah, blah. And if you really put the hammer down on them. Oh, that's going to be a big the, statement the, game. The the voters don't look at it. They say, oh, well, no, you didn't just beat the tar out of a good team. You just beat the tar out of a team that we thought too much of. Yeah. That's not the best way to look at it. All right, Hans and Scotty, we'll kick off your 1 o'clock hour. Coming up next, this is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.